Okay. In the uh, first meeting, we raised the question, is it a valid, proper goal to have in this venture, this interaction, to be wanting to connect with uh, so many dear Haverim, even through this uh, quite long distance method, wouldn't it be um, necessary, only proper, for the learning to be engaged in for its own sake? Is it, is it proper to be trying to understand the Torah life for the sake of uh, experiencing that amazing good feeling of connecting with Rechaveir? And we offered one answer at that time, and really the two are interconnected, interdependent, in the ideal form, the friendship and the Torah, the desire to achieve the good that is accessible, that is aimed for, of understanding the ways of Hashem, is ideally done where the goal is for it to come to the two together. So that the two aspects are really inseparable. But tonight I'd like to explore another response to that question. And what we're exploring is quite significant in its own right. And that is what I guess we could say, as we said in the title, the definition of the entire Torah. Well, that's quite powerful. Um, and this, I must concede, does perforce involve or ask people to really be in touch with their own feelings, whether they can really relate to what we may Try what we'll try to discover, and uh, if we find it difficult, what that's really all about. Sometimes we assume that uh, fundamentals of Torah should be readily accessible; that we should be able to relate to and feel very easily. That should not be the area where we have to work and should be able to take that and then grow from there. Sort of, we expect to be given that as our starting point. But sometimes it's not so simple as a life experience shows. And it's quite possible that a major part of person's uh, personal growth lies in the what we can call derech heretz that precedes the Torah. But like Yerushua Salanter said, um, a mensch needs musr, and musr needs a mensch. Meaning a healthy, fully functional person. One that's able to receive the message of the musr and the Torah in its true form. So if that area also needs work, then so be it, that must be, of course, part of Hashem's plan that we should be involved 
in the entire uh, personal creation process. Like Dr. Tversky touches into the Pasuk, Nasa Adam, that's the person himself has a role to play in becoming even prepared for and ready for receiving the message of the Torah. So let's make a start. The Gemara Shabbos relates the episode of a non-Jew who came to Shammai and asked to be taught the entire Torah. They had one condition. Uh, the words of the Gemara are, while he's on one leg, the Masha explains what that means is, he wanted to be given one single fundamental principle that would encompass, that would take in, in itself, the entire Torah. Not just as a helpful means to reach the whole Torah, going step by step, something that could be a single fundamental principle that could be defined as the whole Torah. One, one principle, one ethical principle to be defined as, to be called the whole Torah. Or at least the foundation of the Torah. And Shammai, where it says, pushed him away with the measuring stick that's used for building which was delivering to him the message, maybe that's only a metaphor, Shammai said to him, the Torah is a vast structure. A vast building does not stand on just one support beam. There's many, many supports, many fundamental principles the Torah has. Can I reduce the Torah to a single fundamental principle? And he sent them away. So he didn't give up. He came to another, the other great sage of the generation, came to Hillel. And he presented to Hillel the same proposal. He would like to convert, but he has one condition. He wants it to be only if, or by means of, being taught one single principle for the whole Torah. And Hillel acquiesced. Hillel accepted him and taught him one principle which Hillel concluded is this is the entire Torah and the rest is just the explanation. And now you have to go learn and know all the details that comprise, that are the explanation, the application, the fullness of everything that is contained in this principle. And what principle did Hillel teach him? Hillel taught him the following words. It's quite fascinating. Hillel said to him, that which is, let's start being literal, hateful to you. I guess better explained, extremely painful to you, almost unbearable to you. Do not do that in relationship to your friend. Do not do to your friend that which is uh, quite unbearable, extremely painful, totally uh, not wanted by you. 
the first observation we should make is that Hill is utilizing the person's personal experience. He didn't just say, be respectful of your friends, be good to your friends, do not in any way be harmful to your friends. He says, you know about this. You can experience this. If you have experience, or you can envision experiencing this. That which you could know and sense personally is unbearable to you. Do not do that to your friend. Now, there are two obvious questions that uh, are like right there on the surface. First, what is that that he's referring to that is hateful and unbearable to you? What is it that Hill is talking about that you know for yourself is extremely painful? That's the first question. The second question is, who is the friend that he's talking about? If it's a human friend, then it'll be hard-pressed to find a way for it to be including the whole Torah. There's a very major part of the Torah that has to do with one person to another, but it's not the entirety. So let's take the second question first, because that's easier in a certain way. Rashi says, the friend that Hill is referring to, that we should not act towards in a way that is painful, unbearable to us, is, as he brings the Pasuk in Mishlei, your friend and your father's friend do not abandon that Takarish Baruch that's Hashem. What does it mean, that which is hateful or painful to you? Rashi says, because for your friend to, to go against your words is very, I don't know what to say, rejected, unbearable, undesired. Now that is a mystery in its own right, the entire mystery. What does it mean to go against your friend's words? A friend doesn't give commands. What is this really all about? And I don't know if we can address that tonight. That may have to be um, sort of carried over to another week, maybe next week, hopefully. But let's take the first step. What does it mean? Can we relate to, can we take in this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is relating to us as a friend? Sounds nice, but if we stop to think about it, it seems um, more than we could possibly take into our mind. The Almighty relating to us as a friend, and we should be relating to Him as a friend. Of course, there'll be the, the, the compelling question, what are we giving in the friendship? Let's hold off on that. But just the very words, the very expression, which Hill is saying is defining the whole Torah. We see it in Mishlei, we see it elsewhere in the Torah. Rabbeinu Bahaya says that when the uh, were asked to borrow from the Mitzrim, they're uh, to take, ask from them their, their gold and their silver. 
the, the Egyptians were referred to as your friend, ask of your friend. And the Rebbein B'chai explains that because it was before Matan Torah, at that point, everyone in the world were still in the category of all friends with one another. They had a, a, a connection, a full-fledged connection one to another. But after, when Hashem came, came to have to give the Torah, and Hashem offered the Torah to the other nations of the world, and they declined, then they went out of the friendship and remained with the Jewish nation who Hashem refers to as Achai v'reyai, my brothers and my friends, like it says in the Pasuk in Tilman, Achai v'reyai. So, and there are other sources. So how do we, how do we like even take in these words? So I think, just as a start, as the most first step start, the Ramchal, Derech Hashem, talks about the concept of Hashem being a king. What does it mean that Hashem is a melech? From Mechabal and Kriyashma, Hashem is our melech. We accept him as our king. The Ramchal says, this is an expression of Hashem's great kindness and generosity to Kaviyochel lower himself in his great humility and relate to his created beings like a king to his nation, even though innately it should not be possible for it to be any relatedness at all. Hashem is Hashem is Hashem. We are only human. But Hashem chose in His great kindness and His humility to give us that gift of having a relationship with Him in the form of, in this case, He's discussing a king with His nation where the king is glorified by His nation. What is the honor of the king? They're such a great people. Such an exalted people not just because they're devoted to him, they have their own greatness and ambition. They're truly loyal and devoted one to the other. So even the, the concept of Hashem as a king to the, to, the, to the world, to the Jewish people, that itself requires a, a unique act of Hashem, so to speak, lowering his honor to relate to us, to give us, the capacity, the entire existence of a relationship with him in the form of a king and his nation. And here we're seeing in this, in going even further, I don't see how you could, cannot, cannot dispute what's on the Mephorish and the Gemara. What the Hill is saying is the entire Torah as a friend to a friend, to which there are other sources as well. So the real question is, how does it sound to us? How do we feel about this? Can we really believe it? Is it to be expected that there could be things that could make this very difficult? I imagine for many people, the concept of that the king 
especially king like Hashem, should also be my best, closest, most loving, most devoted, most intimate friend. It's a very difficult thing to believe. Because someone who is a supreme authority, the supreme power, at the same time, is it possible to combine both things? Or maybe one, 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 one could be concerned, if we'll have such a closeness, isn't that by definition going to cause us to lose the proper respect, the proper awe and reverence? What will happen to the Yerushalayim if we have such a closeness that Hashem is giving us? And the truth is that the morale is concerned, says, says the mission is concerned with this. In the first Mishnah, in the first Mishnah, not, not the first Mishnah, but towards the beginning of Avos, maybe it is the first Mishnah, where it says, have masun, uh, uh, um, you, should, you should do Torah not like Habel Pras, you should serve Hashem out of love. And then, and then the Mishnah continues, and you should have Morish Shemayim. So the morale says there, if a person is serving Hashem out of love, the Tana is concerned, maybe it will cause him to lose the Yerah Shemayim. Feel, feel so close, so, so comfortable, we'll lose the proper reverence for Hashem. Says the Tana, no, Remain, maintain the era, make sure to maintain the, the proper awe and reverence, and the two can coexist. It's not a contradiction one to the other. I can honestly say, perhaps the most impactful line that I ever heard in yeshiva was in the course of one session, just sort of like off the cuff, the yeshiva said the words, my father, my rebbe, my friend, my playmate. It was only child. I was like, what? It could be all those things together? It's not a contradiction? Father, rebbe, friend, playmate? Oh, wow. That was quite amazing. And I could say myself, at one point, I also, even though when I first started yeshiva, the, the uh, very powerful feeling of awe was definitely <laughs> well-deserved. I uh, was very strongly felt. But at a certain point, um, got comfortable enough that I did feel about yeshiva as my best friend. and even had to pull back a little bit. Like maybe I'm um, you know, getting a little too comfortable. I don't have to tell them every silly joke that comes to my mind. So it would seem that it's possible to have that combination. But I'm afraid there could still be other types of barriers. Um, some people might think to themselves, I'm not on Madrig of Avis Hashem, so how can I even try to relate to this? Okay, okay. It's like, isn't this a contradiction? A self-contradiction? And I don't have a simple answer. My assumption is that as much as we'll hear it and rejoice in it and be uplifted by it, we're not going to get to the point so fast of being on that level. So we don't have to worry about um, relating to Hashem as our friend, and that means that we're on the Madrid of Hashem. We can have the feeling it's actually a mitzvah to feel the Ava every day the Chavitz Chaim brings and does require us to try to inspire something of that feeling. 
So we're not out of the category of feeling Hashem's love for us and our love for Hashem, even if we're not on that level in the full, complete sense by a long shot. So it's okay. Um, It goes without saying that uh, if someone's fundamental experience with uh, someone of authority was one of predominantly harshness, fear, control, then it's only natural that we project it. Someone's past experience of authority figures was where they weren't able to relate to them also as their friend. They weren't being given that. Then that becomes the sort of the model, the mindset that gets projected on Hashem as well. And it can make this very difficult. But I'm afraid that the greatest impediment that could exist in people's experience is something much deeper and much more significant. And that is that, that's, I'm afraid, not uncommon for somebody to feel about themselves that they aren't worthy of Hashem's friendship. And when it comes to a person, maybe you could try to fool them. Sometimes we try not to get too close. We're afraid they'll find out who we really are. They'll definitely reject us. But Hashem knows full well who we are. And if a person has a fundamental not good feeling about himself, and he's certainly going to project that Hashem knows it fully well, and Hashem's knowledge will be confirming it, because whatever Hashem knows is absolute truth. So if he takes Hashem into the picture, of relating to him and knowing who he is, he's going to wind up getting very full-scale confirmation that his feeling about himself of being unworthy is correct. And that's only making things much, much worse. So, <laughs> there has to be some kind of effort made to somehow overcome or could be a very strongly and very commonly ingrained starting points of feeling unworthy, of thinking to oneself, yes, if I perform well enough, if I keep all the mitzvot, if I will be a true tzaddik, then I shall be my friend. A person's past experience was he has to earn the Acceptance. He has to earn everything that he gets, including basic acceptance and love and respect. That's all that he is, is someone who has potential to be good enough to earn it. But until he actual, actually does the good things that he's supposed to be doing, he doesn't deserve 
to be respected and cared for and loved, then he's not going to believe it, the Gabi Hashem, either, or not so easily. It's going to be very unfamiliar. So to think that Hashem is taking me as his friends from the get-go, before I did anything to deserve it, to earn it, that can be very difficult. And for some people, it could be very painful that uh, something that would seemingly be so amazing, so good, is uh, not accessible. Okay, I'm not sure where we go from here, but uh, I think I'm ready to open up the floor to reactions. Let me make sure of that first. Al-Kapanra, I think it's safe to say that the first step, the first step in being able to understand and to access what the Torah is really all about is to be able to relate to and absorb and accept as our reality that Hashem has chosen to relate to every single Jew. Not just the nation as a whole are meritorious. Every single Jew is being related to as the friend of Hashem, the beloved, cherished, respected, exalted friend of Hashem. It's more than Salem, it's more than Banim. The peak form of closeness is one friend to another, one with another. That's what Hashem is giving us as our starting point, as the foundation. That is the foundation, that is the starting point of the whole Torah. The gear is receiving that to get started. He didn't earn anything yet. Maybe he has a schuss to become a gear, but it's not based on that. He's becoming a Jew. This is what he has. He has this relationship. Hashem, in his kindness and his humility, is giving us this form of relatedness of, of closest, beloved friends. And that's really the, the power that unites the whole. Jewish nation, Hashem giving this to each and every one of us that connects us all. We are all Hashem's beloved brothers and friends. And that is a source that we have. Therefore, we really have the care and concern of one another. And that's how we should be labeling and defining ourselves as Hashem's beloved friends and brothers. And um, certainly this kind of a limit of Torah could help a lot against the Eight Sahara. So we can see how tonight is a continuation of the last uh, four conferences. Okay. Any and all reaction is uh, currently welcome. A couple of questions here. Okay, can you read this? Because I can't read it. It's like the Balsham. What would. Okay, so somebody want to talk up? You can say your question. You don't. We don't have to. Be, we don't have to try to read it. Ready, what would you say inherently is what Hashem loves about us? He created us a certain way. What you say? I'm asking to understand what 
what is it? What does he love? How does he love us inherently without, no matter what we do? What, what how does that work? Okay, that's, that's a good question. Um, certainly from the mission of us, of Adam Shiva B'Tselem, would indicate that the basic creation of every human being is the basis for Hashem's love, which is infinite. Um, when it comes to Am Yisrael, who have a special close relationship, it seems in the Ramchal that uh, this was essentially based on the Zechus of Avram Avinu. It was a point in time where one nation had to be chosen to be the leading nation for mankind, and that was the children of Avram that were chosen at the point of the Dora Flaga. But the Ramchal adds that there was still a second chance for all the rest of the nations of the world when Hashem offered them the Torah, and they declined at that point. And like Rabbi Yabachai says in the parish's bow, it remained with Chal Yisrael. So there's the innate capacity of Tzalem Alakim, and then there's this Chus of Avram that is somehow carried forth to his descendants. And that's the real spiritual reality. And it was the Nats of Anishma as well, that, that we, that we, was that Nats of Anishma that, that helped, that continued that or helped that? Is that what we were just saying? Okay, there's what to, there's what to enter into uh, in that, in that sugya should be for another time, Mr. Hashem. Nasser Nishma, Makabal, the Shua, Sa'ola. Stephanie talked about over there. And then you have Mimar Chavi Esther, Klaus Shabi, Makabal, the Torah, Birras, and Gomer, even a higher level. Okay, but that will be for Mr. Hashem for the future. But there is, it does seem to be, yes, that Klaus even added to it through their own Bechira in later generations. Okay, anything else here? You want to help me out? Like the Baal Shem is supposed to have said, I wish I could love the greatest Tzadik as much as Hashem loved the greatest Russia. <laughs> okay, yes, the starting point is, yes, infinite love. The Russia, the Russia puts up a barrier. A person has the power of Bechira to create distance between himself and Hashem. But uh, the starting point is the peak closeness. Here's another question. Why is the first question a question? No doubt people get hurt over their existence. I'm really confused. If Rabbi would ignore me, I'd be hurt. What are you talking about? Okay, got it. Okay, that's a, that's a valid point. Uh, but I don't want to enter into it, but I think we should touch on it. The simple reading of Rashi would be, simple reading of Rashi would be that if my friends um, doesn't respect my wishes, my advice, my way of trying to uh, help him, help us together, so that's hurtful to my ego. I'm feeling disrespected by somebody who's so important to me. And after all, Hill is using the real human experience. I, uh, I really have to give credit where credit is due. This awareness, this highlighting, the fact that Hill is using a person's own experience 
I heard from Rabbi Kohn of Shai Kohn many years ago when he visited Eretz Yisrael, and we had one of those um, large gatherings of what was called the Chesed Vad to uh, encourage the Indian of Midas Chesed in case anybody in Shiva ever, ever needed it. Part of the program was uh, hearing guest speakers talk about the topic and uh, become brought in this Gemara and this, this Rashi highlighting the fact that we need to have the personal experience or at least able to relate to the personal experience able to apply it to Hashem. But what is that personal experience all about? I would question whether it could really be the ego hurt, the injury to the ego that takes place. That itself cannot be what Hill is referring to. Because of course, that's something that is not applicable to Hashem, even under the conditions that Hashem is conducting himself as our friend. Because the Amma spells that very clearly, I hope this was received in the uh, email of the Mara Makomas, that HaKadosh Baruch has no human elements, no human frailties, there's no change from one mood to another mood. Hashem, of course, is not going to experience hurt. And I don't think it's reasonable to say that the entirety of the Torah is based on undertaking a pretension that Hashem would be hurt. It has to be real. It has to be consistent with all the principles of the Torah. That's why whenever you'll be exposed to any kind of a message that would be absolutely contradictory to be able to relate to Hashem as a friend, you know that that message cannot be correct. The Torah does not have contradictions. It is not expecting us to, to sometimes think one way, feel one way, sometimes think another way in a manner that cannot be combined together. So if Hashem is free of any human limitation, then even in context of Hashem being our friend, it also cannot be based on, cannot be, we should not hurt Hashem, just like we don't want to be hurt. There could be another possibility, but I don't know if there's enough time to get it started. Maybe I'll try. Let's see what other questions there might be first. It says you have to click the call in audio. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. Someone's using a computer without a camera and he can't hear anything. Sorry, but I wish I could help you. I don't know how to help you. You know how to help him? No. Okay. Um, you, no, there's no other question. No. You gotta have a phone. Okay, so if there are no other questions, I'll try to explore this last point. The question is, um, I raised the question: What does it mean, the pain of my friends going against my words? And my assumption is that it cannot mean essentially the pain of my being hurt by not being respected 
not being cared for, whatever it might be. Because that's not something that can apply to Hashem. But there could be something that's working with that, perhaps. Let's, let's go step by step. I think there could be a possibility that the, the pain that I experience by my friends not appreciating my wishes, advice, suggestion, direction, whatever it might be, whatever is included in overall devorah. Cut that mic. You have a child there, you got to cut your mic. Okay, we'll cut it for you. Um, why is it so painful? Let's analyze. Why is it so painful? It's because that relationship is so valued to me. It's because it is so precious. Because it is so meaningful. If somebody else would do it, it wouldn't bother me. It's in the context of this relationship. That's why when someone that I present is somewhat ignored or not cared about, that's why it's hurtful to me because it helps me to recognize the true value to, to, to me, myself, of our relationship. So it could be it's really serving as a window for you to gain understanding, appreciation of that specialness, that, that beauty, that, that gift that you have of a close friend, you could, you could, and you could sense the, the need to be committed to it, the compelling justice of being committed to it by the fact that it's so painful to you when it is not properly appreciated, not properly respected, not properly actualized by somebody that you're hoping to gain it from. Helps you to realize how wrongful that is. The fact that it's so hurtful to me is what, is what reveals how, how wrong it is not to respect it. And that could help me to apply it in relationship to Hashem. How could I not appreciate the friendship that Hashem is giving me when I know how painful it is to me if somebody doesn't appreciate the friendship that I have with them. It's not simply my ego is hurt. It's helping me to realize what did I lose? I lost, at least at this moment, that connection that I'm hoping to have. I think there's something that... Um, it's worth thinking a little bit more about, trying to come back to what is the real content of what is painful to me. I think it's also worthwhile mentioning, because I to see inside, the, the Ian Yaakov raises the question of why did he say in the negative? Don't do to your friend what's hurtful to you. Why didn't he say in the positive? We have to love your friends. Give to him just like we want that. Give him everything good. 
Love him. He's your friend. Give to him. Love him. So he answers that that quality of being going milchesed, of taking the initiative, of giving without any request, without any expressed need, just of our own initiative, being going milchasadim, that's a middom klalisra. But the ger was still not yet Jewish. And it could be he wouldn't be able to relate to this at that point. But to not be harmful, to not do something that's against what my friend has put out for me. What he has shown me already is important and significant and meaningful. Not to contradict that, that's something that the gear would be able to understand. But I think the, the fullness of what's going on here, of what it is that's painful to us, to then apply to Hashem, is something that uh, is worth giving some good, good thought. I always say that the peak accomplishment in any learning situation is to leave people with something to think about. That way there'll be no brittle tire. <laughs> I once heard from a very great person, Avaron Kreiser, he was from the great Talmudian of the Mir in Europe, and he was a market here in New York, and then even his retirement, there was somebody can come to to speak and learning, and he was a very good schmoozer. And uh, I had the uh, special experience. And the one thing he shared with me was a line. He said, "Is dafsach ruder in the cup?" That means your head has to always be churning. You have to always have a good question that you're thinking about that you're working on. So I think this is a good question to work on. What is that Indian that's painful to us? What, what could Rashi mean by? your friend going against your words. What is that pain that we're dealing with that's being used as the way to understand the entirety of the Torah of following Hashem's direction? Okay, thank you very much. Have a very good night. Anybody wants to stay on? They're welcome. I have I have people who are not so connected to Hashem who said that Hashem doesn't love them. How can one impress upon him that his feelings are not true fact that that fact is he feels his life is hard. Okay, yes, that's gonna be very, very difficult. A person really is a 
experiencing significant difficulty in life. It's going to be very difficult to come and say, oh, Hashem loves you. Let's say, okay, so why is he putting me into this misery? Um, I don't really feel that, that I'm really qualified to answer this question. It's certainly not on the spur of the moment. But I'll, I'll tell you the thought that's coming to my mind at the moment, which there may be some validity to that, because um, I heard from Rabbi Shvadron that uh, he, has said, he said he has a Kabbalah from his Rebbe, I think that means of Leib Chasman, that if something comes to his mind while he's giving his shoes and wasn't even prepared, that's a simon that, uh, that's what the, that Ruber people needs to hear. It's being sent to them in Eshemite. So, okay, let's try something. And uh, just as a start, but that topic needs to be researched very, very thoroughly to do the best we can, uh, which is not definitely for regalachas. But the thought that comes to mind is that it, if it's possible, it could help to see ourselves as part of a very large, long, and historic picture the very existence of the Jewish nation at all on earth is absolutely miraculous. Like any historian will, will tell you, <laughs> and you know, this is well, well written about in Good Sfarim on Emuna, Leib Kelman and others. It's not comprehensible that the nation chased out of their homeland, dispersed thousands of years, should maintain its identity of, in such a form. It's not really explainable. Yaakov Emden writes in a Siddur, he swears it's a greater miracle than the miracles of Etzias Mitzrayim, the continued existence of the Jewish nation with the Torah intact. The fact that we are sitting here discussing, trying to learn, trying to understand a little bit of this Gemara and Shabbos, that's Hillel calls the entirety of the Torah as itself miraculous beyond description. So there's a very, very large, long-range plan. <coughs> a person, of course, has his own, his own life story, but he's also a part of entire history. Like as a mushal, the, the Gerd Tzedek of Vilna, who gave his life willingly al Kiddush Hashem, he had a, uh, a thought that the Chavetz Chaim would repeat, because the good has come up. He said that when the other nations of the world were offered the Torah and they declined, there were individuals that wanted to accept the Torah, but they were outvoted. They were the ones who were Zeicha to become Gerim in the future days. And of course, we can only assume that one of them, according to this explanation, was he himself, who was Zeicha to achieve a phenomenally great Madrega. In fact, there's a Kabbalah in the Litvisha Seira that when the Gerd said that Gavun was killed by Kiddush Hashem, the entire Indian of Ruach Ra was weakened. And that's why there's a sniff of certain coolest 
when it comes to you know washing right next to your bed, they were, they were, they were some were lenient for that reason. Chavz Chaim doesn't bring this, but in the Sefer of Shlomo Zalman Orbach, he brought in a footnote that such a Kabbalah that the whole union of Ruach Ra was weakened because of his single personal mysterious nefesh. That means that an individual has the capacity to contribute in a very major way, and the whole klal as a unit is contributing to what needs to be accomplished for the entire purpose of creation to be achieved. So a person might think to himself, who am I to be challenged with something really difficult? I don't see myself as some great tzaddik that Hashem could see me as capable of bearing this. But if we ask ourselves really honestly, deep down, can I bear this? We may discover the answer is yes. And we will not know why we are being chosen for this kind of a mission. Somebody on, was at my house on Purim. I was crying and crying. After Purim, we didn't remember anything of it because, of course, you know, it was in the state of Adla Yada, crying and crying over the difficulty, real, real personal difficulty of people that he knows. At the time, I, I had no idea what to answer. Afterwards, a thought came, which I shared with him the next morning. The Chavitz Chaim says that in the army, there are many, many divisions. You have infantry, you have the navy. Years ago, there was cavalry. There's the artillery. There's the marines. There's the kitchen staff. There's the medical staff. In the army, there's the Navy SEALs. There's one team that's given the most difficult mission to accomplish. We don't know why a person is chosen, whether over his lifetime or any given moment, to be the Navy SEAL. But it's possible that somebody doesn't consider themselves uh, any way deserving of such distinction that their neshama may be the one that is properly conditioned to do the mission of the Navy SEAL. Okay, this top will have to be, you know, revisited. Um, if I could ask another Yichiel Pelgans for a similar question. Yes. You, in the middle there, yes. you just jumped into, you jumped into, Okay, go ahead. All right, yeah, go ahead. I can't hear you now. I said you were you in the middle of this whole thing about Ava. Ava you you started going into the basic contradiction that happens in a lot of things in Yiddish type. Avinu Malkenu, Father King. Where, where are we up to? Ava Hashem, Yiras Hashem. How do you have them at the same time? I don't know what that has anything to do with what you were talking about in general, because really you're focusing on Ava Hashem a lot. And like you mentioned, like we had a Rebbe who was 
um, very critical of you, or and therefore you would view your Hakadosh Baruch Hu as being critical of you, and therefore you you were it seemed to be that you were saying you would have a unhealthy relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu because you would view Hakadosh Baruch Hu being critical of you, as we know many stories of people waiting to be zapped by lightning because they somehow thought that that's what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, on top of all that. I, I, I'm not. I, 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 I was coming to preclude just a more simpler, even before we got to things that are so powerful, even the basic concept of can the supreme, say, I don't know, authority, leadership, a, a revered personality like a king would be in the country, also be the personal friend of all the subjects? Of course he could. Of course he could be. It happens all the time. You have a king who have his, has his favorite people, mm-hmm. and I don't see what's the big deal. If you have an unhealthy relationship with God, then yeah, you'll have an unhealthy relationship with God. I don't know where you went to Yeshiva, but I never had such a problem. Okay. Baruch Hashem, if you didn't have a problem, that's great to hear. But uh, I don't think it's a small matter to be able to, and you see, we see Mufurish from the, from the Maral Zapirish on the uh, mission of us in the very beginning. That if there's Ava, there's a concern. It may cause a person to lose the hero. It's able to combine at the same time the, 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 the that's what I that, That's what I just said about the contradiction of Ava and Yira. That, yeah, this is part of Judaism. That you constantly have contradictions in emotion. It's almost impossible to fathom how you could have Ava and Yira at the same time. It's impossible to fathom, uh, again, saying Avinu Malkenu and saying Im Kavanim Im Kavadim. How do, you, how do you do that? It's not a normal, I, I, and we're not schizo. We're not supposed to be schizo. Right. Uh, but maybe we are schizo and we don't even realize it. No, so my assumption is that where it appears to us to be absolute contradiction, that there's a misunderstanding. If the form of Eva that we're conceptualizing is one that is owned by the master for the master's benefit, that's by definition a contradiction. But that's not the real, true definition of our being avodim to Hashem. Our avodim to Hashem is only for our benefits, and Hashem is granting us the gift of relating to us as the king. And what does it mean to be an Eved? That's another whole discussion that Ramchal discusses also by the midst of tzitzis. That makes it that it's not an absolute contradiction. I mean, it's true that the Bishrol points out things that seem to be contradictory, but ultimately it has to be that they are not. But as much as we can understand it correctly, such that it will not be contradictory, I think we have the proper obligation to do so. We should not set ourselves up for absolute contradiction based on lack of knowledge and then say, okay, oh well, I guess it's a contradiction and we have to deal with it. When we say Avinu Malkeinu, it's not a contradiction. We are the son of the king, the beloved son of the king, who also has to carry out the mission of the king. He also has to recognize the king's full greatness and how correct it is to follow his direction for his nation and for every individual. So if you find places where what you think is that Shkafa is absolute contradiction, it has to be checked very, very carefully. But even what Rebbe just said, we're saying that we're like the, the, the king, that we have to go and follow directives of the king, but he, he loves us. Then the, 
the difference between a king and a son becomes very limited. And there's not much a difference then. The yeah. king loves us, like we like we just said. Then what's the difference between a king and the, between whether he's the king or the son? We have the measure says in many places, mm-hmm. um, about a prince, mm-hmm. and and it's not the same uh, mushal as you would have with a subject of a king because the prince has separate things. He's just waiting for the son to go and, and say something. Oh, then now the doors open up. You're allowed back into the palace. All I wanted you to do is call out to me. Okay, please give me a list. Send an email of the list of all those Maramakomas. <laughs> and we'll try to pick it up from there. If there are any other independent questions. Okay. What does, Rabbi, what does Rashi mean not to do? Sorry, it oh, can't hurt him. Nice. So yes, when it says not to do to our to our friend, of course, it doesn't mean we're going to be harming Hashem. It means in relationship to Hashem. But that also needs to be understood. What is the similarity of our human relationship and our pain in that context and the application to Hashem? Okay, I think that covers it. Rebbe, what were you responding to when you brought that, the idea of the uh, different parts of the army and the infantry? What, what, what was that in response to? Um, trying to give somebody chizuk, whose life is very difficult, to recognize that it's a great mission that he's being given. The person able to be soivel, what Hashem gives to him, that is the highest, highest madriga. I think a person will, who am I? Who am I? We don't know why I'm chosen. Thank you very much.